Welcome to Cogno the podcast, where we explore different approaches to mental and physical health. In each episode, I will be joined by a different guest who will share their own journey and insight into a specific approach. We do discuss sensitive and explicit content, and please always reach out if you need support. This is the very first episode of the launch series, and I'm so excited to welcome Sienna. Sienna adopts an East meets West approach while combining Ayurvedic, yogic, and tantric techniques to mental and physical health. Hey, Sienna, thank you so much for joining and welcome to the Cogno podcast. It's so exciting to have you on and to expand on the talk you gave at the launch, to hear more about your journey and experience with well-being. I must say I've been following your journey and yoga teaching in Greece. How was it? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Take me back to Greece on this grey and rainy day. First, we're going to address some questions left by the attendees from the launch. Um, Sorry that we don't have time to go through all of them, but please, anyone listening who does have any questions, reach out to Cogno or to Sienna if you have anything else. Um, There was one question which was repeated multiple (laughs) times, and I'm sure we'll cover it in more detail later on, but there was a definite intrigue around you putting spicy oil up the bum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had a feeling that might come up. (laughs) So if you weren't at the launch and you're listening to this, I highly recommend listening for a bit of context. Um, The first question is that this listener loved your approach to well-being during the Cogno launch. Could you expand your explanation on your approach to the importance of routine when practicing yoga? For sure. I think the importance of making it part of your routine and consistency Mm -hmm. is so fundamental in your practice. In fact, actually, one of the teacher trainings I did, so the second one I did, which was this Hatha Tantra training, after part of the requirements was this 40-day personal sadhana, which is a sadhana is a practice where you have to do this exact same hour-long practice every single day, self-guided. And so you have to show up on your mat, whether you feel like it or not, to flow through this one set of sequences. And it's all about just mastering the art of showing up and tuning in with yourself each and every single day um, to really like understand where you are in that day in that moment because the whole thing about yoga is it's never there's no finishing line there's no sort of like oh I've completed it I'm amazing now it's the practice really should just be about tuning in regaining that sense of center grounding clarity um, so I think the importance of routine is just so important. Amazing. I guess that's how you start building a habit as well with consistency. Would sure. it matter what sort of time of day it was? Would it be important to be repeated at the same time of day or was it turning up was the important point? I think in terms of building a routine, it's always really helpful mm-hmm. to build that into a daily rhythm. So For me, I'm such a big believer in a morning and an evening routine. Mm -hmm. However, life doesn't always work like that and it's not available for everyone. So in that sense, it's really about just doing little and often. And it's not about jumping straight in at the deep end and trying to do an hour a day. You could literally just arrive on your mat and do five minutes of stretching or five minutes of meditation whenever you can, whenever you find a moment. And that's the important part, I think. The next question is a really interesting one. It's, you know, lots of yoga in London focuses on the fitness aspect. 
do you have any studios that you would recommend more for the lifestyle and the life center? I think that's a really good question. For my personal recommendation in this respect isn't so much about a particular studio. I mean, there are some great ones like Remind Studio, which is much more centered around, you know, sound baths and meditation and breath work and, you know, those sorts of things. But it's about your connection with the teacher more than the studio. And so what I'd really recommend is trying out lots of different studios and trying out lots of different teachers and really finding one that you personally connect to. Totally. It's the kind of thing as well, if anyone listening has any recommendations on that as well, do let us know. Um, Next question, which also we'll probably touch on in more detail later, but I think a really important point to start with. Um, Is Ayurveda an ongoing practice or just a cleansing and purification? purifying ceremony in order to practice tantra oh gosh no that's such a good question it's absolutely an ongoing practice so ayurveda is all about balance and ayurveda has this understanding that the world is constantly changing around us whether that's seasons whether that's times of day we're constantly changing as human beings And so in order to create balance, we need to constantly be shifting our approach to life, our diet, our lifestyle in order to live in harmony with these changes. So in that sense, it is ever like you're always tweaking um, and you're always um, sort of staying consistent with it. But also what's really interesting about Ayurveda is it views health through it views the world through the lens of the five elements. And um, so similar to Chinese medicine in this way. But what it does is it simplifies this further by having these sort of three classifications or doshas for people who are really familiar with Ayurveda. And these are sort of like mind-body types. But the definition of a dosha is something which can be spoiled or go out of whack. So by very definition, it's sort of saying you need to constantly be practicing this forever. It's not just like a one, one-time one thing. You kind of build like a consciousness to the change to your own personal balance. Totally. And it's like how to adapt to it. Would that be what that provides you with? Exactly. I'd say Ayurveda is brilliant at sort of providing a lens through which to view the world. Health is so complex and multidimensional and especially when you view it as mind, body and spirit, Mm -hmm. which is how I view it and how Ayurveda sees it. And what Ayurveda is really brilliant at doing is giving you these sort of classifications in order to simplify it slightly. Amazing. And just on that, just for anyone that doesn't have the background knowledge, the five elements that you briefly mentioned, can Mm -hmm. you just talk through those? Totally. So what Ayurveda says is that everything in the universe as well as everything in the human body is made up of a unique combination of these five elements, which is um, air, space, water, fire and earth. And so when you think about these elements, it's actually really intuitive. It's Earth is grounding, you know, and if you're an if you're a sort of earthy person, you might be quite like strong and stable and steady. Fire, you know, it's hot. You might be hot headed. You'll be super driven. You'll be, you know, if you're spacey, which is very much the Vata type, which is what I am, you're quite likely to experience anxiety or insomnia. But you're also likely to be really creative because you're constantly changing. What you know, you might have a million different ideas every minute. 
And so what Ayurveda, through this lens of the five elements, Ayurveda says, well, if you've got a lot of this element within you, you need to find balance outside of you through using the other elements to counteract that. So I would start bringing in much more earthy practices, much more earthy foods to help counter out that space within me. Whereas if you're fire, you're trying to cool that down. So it's so it's so clever. And it's there must be so many levels as well to that awareness of what you are and who you are as a person. But is there any kind of, sorry, we're kind of going off the questions. Um, but, you know, anyone who is just kind of starting out looking at this approach to well-being taking on an Ayurvedic approach about learning to themselves like where do you start like how do you begin that journey of breaking it down to those five elements for sure so you can take if literally as a starting point that anyone could access you could do a dosha questionnaire an Ayurvedic questionnaire online and that will give you a simple that will help put you into these classifications um so you can really understand your um um what you're born with but then however if you want to take this further and then it will give you some recommendations on what lifestyle and diet recommendations you should have for this however if you want to take this a little bit further seeing an ayurvedic doctor can help you understand your imbalances in terms of these five elements and maybe because you're born in with one constitution but your life shapes you in another way and so sometimes we steer away from our natural constitution towards another and it are, is it that, you know, both things that we're born from and those life influences, what, are they what contribute to changing doshas and changing our yeah. balance? So what's really interesting is health is different, for, looks different for each individual. So for me, what you're trying to get back to is your um, prakriti, which is what you're born with, rather than your vikriti, which is your whatever you are at this current day. Mm. And so it's all about just like understanding how to get yourself back into your personal optimum mm. state of balance, which will look completely different for you and I. It's very interesting. It's a lot of self-awareness that must for go sure. into that and a lot of self-vision as well. Yeah, there is, it's a lot of self-awareness in the yeah. practice of Ayurveda. It's very much an introspective way so of um, The next question, just to go on from the launch, was were there moments in your training or when you attended a retreat or studying, in fact, of Ayurveda that you struggled or you felt like you wouldn't actually be able to fulfill the course? I you know, I don't know because you've touched on the fact it doesn't really close. Um, but I guess if was there, what the person must be saying is, was there a moment that actually that self-awareness perhaps was too much? Gosh, wow, what a powerful question. Yeah, never that I didn't want to finish the course, but these courses, because they are, you're taking such a deep dive into these huge questions of life and these huge topics and going so introspective through the process of yoga and meditation. I, I know that myself and a lot of people on my course found that the process was a real, you know, personal journey as well as a professional development one. Mm-hmm. And um, without a doubt, it dug up a lot of stuff. And so I would actually always recommend, even if you don't want to become a yoga practitioner or you don't want to 
you know, um, make a career out of this sort of thing, I do truly believe sometimes these trainings are for everyone because it, you learn, you gain such invaluable yeah, and knowledge an amazing and amazing approach to well-being for anyone to go through on life from these things. Completely. Yeah. Um, well, th that's the questions we'll do on the launch. And I guess that last one feeds really nicely into kind of a question that I wanted to ask and just ask a bit about what inspired you to attend the retreat in India. How did you find it? And was it, you know, did you begin with a yogic perspective? or? Yeah, so I, is that sort of my journey into yoga, would you say? Or what yeah, is we'll start with yoga. Yeah. So yoga was not something I fell immediately in love with, which I think actually a lot of people will really relate to. It's because hard I to think, believe now knowing you I know, know and I'm so passionate about it now. I literally <laughs> adore it. But I think it's something you really cultivate like a relationship with Too over easily. time. When I first did it, I was like, oh, God, this is unbearable, like watching the clock. But I basically really struggled with insomnia for over 10 years of my life, um, well over 10 years. And I tried so many different things. You know, I tried hypnotherapy, I tried um, acupuncture, and nothing was doing the trick. And then I discovered yoga, and I learned how to sort of drop my body from this sort of fight or flight mode into this parasympathetic rest and digest mode. It's been the biggest relief at the time of finding something oh, that just gave gosh. a moment of peace. Truly, it was the it's it just changed my life so drastically mm. that I was like I need to explore this further. Um and so that's where I I'd say that's where my journey into yoga really began. That's really amazing. And was it quite quick from that to an adopt, for yourself, to adopt an East meets West approach to well-being? So I had done a health coaching qualification um, back in the day during lockdown. And so I started to enter this world of alternative health and healing. But when I went to India, I was just immersed in it. And I went there alone and I was there for sort of six months or so. And so I was able to just completely throw myself, and I did all these different intense trainings, and it just became a huge part of me and the way I see the world. I had this massive perspective shift, and I had these huge realizations. And so it just happened very naturally, my East meets West approach. Like, I... I've got this background of living in London, knowing what fast-paced city life is like, but now I've got this incredible knowledge and wisdom that a lot of people don't hold. So I've really have blended. I, having been so immersed and kind of faced with this new experience and this new kind of journey, I guess, what are some of the key principles and techniques that you learned and have really stayed with you? Sure. I think what I've really realized that I think we often don't allow ourselves the space to do in London is putting as much care and attention into the preparation and the integration as we do into this like main event in the middle and I think what yoga and my practice has really taught me and what I really try to help each mm -hmm. others with throughout my teaching is going into things mindfully, setting an intention to pair these actions with. 
understanding what you're trying to get out of it, why you're doing it, how you want to embody, who you want to embody, the qualities you wish to embody in these practices. Going into this with this awareness, taking that time while you're in there to separate yourself, detach from your thoughts, and embody the sensations to really feel and to actually experience as opposed to just going through the motions. And then at the end, to really allow that space for integration, to like absorb this new sensation, this new feeling, this new way of being that you get from your practice, understanding that the space of feeling grounded and centered is always available to you. Because I think so many of us sort of live in this constant go, 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 anxious state, and we forget how it feels to truly feel rooted, to feel centered, to feel our highest version of ourselves connected to, you know, the universe around us. And so what I really learned to do when I was away in India and I stepped away from this way of life was really understanding the value of slowing down and actually being present with myself for the first time as opposed to just constantly being my brain being off in another another place and time completely it's an amazing thing to have experienced and to accept because I feel like so many people know that somewhere in them they know that they need to have a break from this and both talking about kind of London a very social experience everyone's working nine to five if not longer and then you've got to fit in your friends your relationship time to yourself whatever it might be and it's really interesting to hear that you've you know you've taken yourself away almost Mm -hmm. and had that time so there's obviously a spectrum to where you can kind of find that grounding again because for everyone it's not going to be a retreat in India totally one level but it's important to kind of find those moments in London, I suppose, and is that something you've, since being back, say, you have managed to kind of include into your daily routine, or has that been a struggle? No, absolutely, just on both those points, actually, and I think you asked earlier, like, you know, what took me to India, and although it was a desire to learn and to get these trainings, it was actually, it started with a desire to help myself first because actually I'd spoken to a nutritionist before because I was having loads of gut health issues which relates to the spicy oil up the bum which we'll go into later but um anyway she was like actually you know what where all these problems are stemming from is you've got adrenal fatigue you are your cortisol levels are so spiked you've been living in flight fight or flight mode sympathetic nervous system for so long now that everything is so dysregulated you, I like actually needed to get like I needed to press pause and I hadn't been able to in my head like I didn't know how to stop and so taking that time for me was so incredible and was actually so necessary but I am so aware that that luxury is not available to everyone and so I couldn't but I am the biggest believer in forcing yourself to create that space for time by yourself where you really just press pause on the outside world saying no to other commitments saying no and just taking that time whether it's on your mat or whether it's just you know for me it looks like yoga and meditation but it can look different for everybody but really taking that time to actually check in with yourself daily and I think that's the way that 
people can sort of avoid reaching the stage that perhaps I did. Especially when it is a really busy working environment or lifestyle and a city. It is so hard. We all get swept up. Completely. Um, You've briefly mentioned that, you know, past experiences prior to the retreat and everything. Are there any moments in your kind of journey and background into reaching that retreat that and what led you to find this practice? Totally. So, one, I'm actually going on to specialise um, in September in embodied trauma integration right, okay. um, through the lens of yoga. So mm-hmm. helping people really ground down and connect to their felt sense in their bodies. Because, um, as I mentioned earlier, I had insomnia and I did hypnotherapy for it. I was trying to do hypnotherapy for it. And through a lot of these childhood traumas, you know, I had a mum who was an alcoholic who eventually died. And my life was very turbulent and unpredictable. And through that, um, that constant, like, sort of fear of, you know, the worst happening, I had gone into this freeze mode where I'd sort of actually disassociated. And so I didn't really realise how disconnected I was from my physical body because I was trapped in this, like, sort of in the mind. And I think what I really am passionate about helping people with is, like, sort of separating from their mind, grounding themselves down into their body so that from this space they're actually able to feel safe enough in the present moment to start to create this fresh perspective, this more positive outlook on life, understand, you know, integrate these wisdoms that yoga, Ayurveda, Tantra can offer. But I believe you can't really do that when you are in this state of sort of whether it's high functioning anxiety or whatever that is. So I'm just, I want to allow people the space to heal first in order to thrive later. Thank you for sharing that. And also, I think from what you've just said that it's so interesting to hear about the trauma in the body and the mind and how they do connect and also how they don't connect are stored in more places than you realised. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's such a good question. So I basically, when I talk about disassociation, even when I was 15 years old, we lived in a house for a year and I had no recollection. I had no idea I lived in this house. And when my friends um, talk about memories from school and stuff like that, like they always see my face just go blank because I just can't remember so much of my life. So that's the brain. And that's because so much of my memories and stuff like that are hidden in the subconscious mind, which I wasn't able to tap into or access because my body was in this fight or flight looking out for a tiger that was about to attack me mode kind of thing. And so for me, I use the body and the breath to allow myself to drop down into this rest and digest mode, which is essentially where the healing happens so that I can access and influence the deeper layers of my mind, the subconscious. And now that it's always going to be a work in progress, it's, you know, you're never this healed human being that's able to, you know, and I'm so committed to continuing with my personal practice to keep my growth going there but now that I am in this space with this whole new sense of awareness where I've been able to do such incredible work on myself I'm so passionate about helping people understand this mind-body 
I think it's really amazing and clear that your passion truly shines through, especially when you're moving past experience into a space that can really help people. In terms of how the body does hold trauma and taking the body-mind-soul approach that you mentioned, I'm interested to ask you about how you feel people should approach it when they need help. And what would you say is important for someone seeking help with trauma or low mood? So I love um, what you just said there because I think what my East Eastern mm. philosophy that I learned gave me most was this understanding. I think what a lot of us, a lot of us, I've got a tattoo actually, my most recent tattoo, my first one, it's called Maya, which stands for the illusion. And it's a Sanskrit word. And all of us are under this illusion that we are somehow damaged, somehow wrong. We're separate from other people. We are, you know, not enough. And what yoga, yogic philosophy, this Eastern way of looking at life gives us is this understanding of oneness, that we're not broken, we're not wrong, we are all perfectly imperfect, you know, we definitely do have imbalances and we're not um, perfect, but these are all for a reason and it's all to fulfill this, you know, our unique soul desire, um, our mahad. Um, and I think for me, having this massive like perspective shifts, this new lens to view life through where I'm less critical on myself and less judgmental about to myself about having a sleepless night, having insomnia, having anxiety or something. I'm not there berating myself for these feelings. Instead, I'm really understanding how I can turn these into shape them into something positive, how I can serve others through my personal experience, you know, and I think it's all about just changing that meaning we attach to things that happen to us in life and seeing if you can give it some sort of empowering meaning. So, like, really sort of, I do believe that everything I went through when I was younger was to lead me to this place where now hopefully I can help a lot more people through my personal experience because there's no way I'd be able to teach this if it wasn't something that I'd already gone through with myself. Yeah, and that's in itself is such an incredible realisation to have reached and, like, you've obviously done a lot to get to this space and gone through a lot of, as you've mentioned previously, anxiety and insomnia and, you know, there's... I think what's really amazing to hear you talk about it is, you know, there's no question that that must have been extremely difficult times, but everything that you seem to have done since then has really built this appreciation of experience almost. Yeah. And it kind of comes back to that area of it, like what's going to offset things? And I guess this is what I really want to help people understand is that, you know, there's nothing to fear except fear itself we fear these feelings so much because they are so scary to address and to experience and they're so uncomfortable. But the more the more you resist them, the more they're going to persist. And the more you allow them to flood through you and flow through you in a safe environment, like with a teacher like me by your side or yeah. with, you know, in a supportive and safe environment, the more you allow yourself to experience these, the more they will naturally leave your body because we tra store so much trauma in our bodies and therefore start to show slowly you'll be able to shift your mind too. And so I think it's like really about helping people 
feel safe enough to actually experience what they're there with. To almost let it go through. Exactly, to allow them to process it. And that's where I think if people in London incorporated more of a sort of yoga practice or whatever it is for them in their day-to-day, they wouldn't need to run off to these, you know, trainings abroad in India. They can't. It's just about allowing yourself to actually feel rather than avoid. And I guess in a really way, you've almost got really similar practice in Western medicine as it were. You know, you people go to a chiropractor yeah. and that's not just physical. That often does. You see, you know, people release something mm-hmm. during that moment and it's all like that tension, those things that hold in the body can be released. There's no one road to, you know what I mean? And there is a million different avenues. I completely agree that um, there are Western approaches that have these incredible benefits too. But I think what I do love about Ayurveda and that I've taken from that way of looking at health is this opposite of a quick fix approach Mm -hmm. I think the most important things in life take the longest and they are the most wiggly roads you can think you're going up one moment and then suddenly it might look like you've taken a hundred steps back when actually you haven't you've just taken gone a a layer deeper for example Mm -hmm. and I think um, just this understanding that it's you're never complete you're never at the end of the road you're never healed you really do need to fall in love with the, the journey there because actually that is all there is and it sounds so cliche but it's so true that ultimately unless you actually like fall in love with the journey and release the outcome actually and this is what I always try to say to people at the start of every yoga practice is set that intention have your desired goal in mind Mm -hmm. but then release it and release your expectations on yourself on the practice, on the shift you expect to see, on whatever you want to call in or achieve, and actually just completely surrender and have faith. And, you know, faith is so important to just trusting that whatever's coming up is meant to come up. Wherever you are in this journey, wherever you are in this stage of your life is where you're meant to be. And just, like, sort of taking all that pressure off of yourself and off of life to deliver and these expectations and just really being with what is. It feels like that fast pace is only getting faster. And I think that there's a lot of people who will appreciate East meets West and Eastern approaches, but struggle to understand holistic health as it is. I think they've become so disassociated from it. Knowing how to detach from that pressure and pause is almost so daunting that I think people put it off. Oh my um, gosh, you know, yes. what, how can, so daunting. Where would you, what advice would you give to someone who was in that space, who needed that release, who needed that pause, but just didn't know where to start? It's so scary, first of all. Like, I really just want to, like, put out empathy there because facing these feelings that you're going to have to navigate your way through is super daunting um I think it is about finding a safe space to explore and navigate these and for a lot of people that looks like therapy um but I think and for other people it's more embodied and working through the sort of trauma stored in your body but um I think the most important thing to realize is that our bodies and minds we're the natural intelligence within us is so extreme and our bodies are healing mechanisms in themselves. But the more we are constantly ignoring the communication they're trying to give us, 
um, the further we sort of st- like suppress these symptoms within them, us burying them within our to our very sort of core, the more damage we're doing. And ultimately, they do just need to be addressed and released somehow. So the earlier you can find an outlet or a way to face these, the better. Yeah. Because sadly, they're not going anywhere. They're just going to be being going deeper and deeper and deeper. And so the earlier you can find it within yourself, find someone who can help you, um, I would just, yeah. And have you found through all of your training and experience since kind of finding Ayurveda, Tantric and Yoga techniques to, as an approach to well-being for yourself, has that altered your relationship to yourself as well as others. I know that we've spoken a lot about the potential for helping others through the practice and being that support and being that almost example as a teacher, but how has it changed your relationships? Oh my gosh, it's massively changed my relationship to myself. I think we all have a tendency to be super self-critical and um, this is so natural and we all have a tendency to brace for the worst. That's human survival instinct. However, I think becoming more aware of these tendencies, like I've learned a lot about how the human brain operates and, you know, these, te- these tendencies. And yeah. through that awareness, I've started to become so much more compassionate with myself, um, you know, understanding that my perceived flaws aren't mm-hmm. necessarily flaws and also sort of um I've also I think in all honesty I think I used to probably have a bit of a victim mentality you know this why me why am I why do I have to deal with insomnia every night and no one else like that someone else doesn't do you think that came from experiences through childhood and the trauma I'm sure for sure I think so many different things shape it and I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we develop a victim mentality as a cry out for help and you know seeking love that we're not getting or something like that but I think through this journey I've realized how much more fun it is actually to adopt an empowered mentality and be like right how can I find a solution to this like what is what can I do for myself you know and it might not be perfect you might stumble you might fall you might get it wrong that's absolutely all part of the process but just trying I think that's such a great piece of advice just there. Just have more fun with having, yeah. you know, enjoying yourself as you Seriously. are. Let it be it. messy. Like, mm. if we're, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect. Just give it a go. Have fun. Don't take it quite so seriously. Like, obviously, that's a crazy thing to say. Don't take healing. So, so you know, do, but it's sort of, you've just got to explore and try. The wave almost. Yeah. Um, and as you have delved deeper into these kind of healing traditions... Have you noticed a shift to your perspective on approaches to well-being? You know, this platform as a whole is really exploring a diverse range of approaches to well-being. Mm. As we found in the launch, you know, there was just that consistency of no one size fits all. Do you think that going in through a very holistic and life coaching perspective has narrowed your vision on well-being or is there any other approaches that you'd share out? Oh my gosh, I mean, I could talk about this for days. <laughs> I think um, one thing I was blessed with is a very open mind. I don't yeah. know why, but I've always had it and I wholeheartedly believe there are people with 
real gifts in this world that sort of for example when I was 15 I used to have a really 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 bad back and I was told by all these different back specialists in London that no way I could avoid an operation on my back and my dad was sort of like absolutely not I had a wife who suffered from you know all these back operations and it led her down a really bad path and so he got in touch and he is as sort of straight down the line as you can imagine. He is so un into these things that I'm into. But he found out about this faith healer and he did some work on me at the age when I, you know, when I was still at school and no back doctors could believe it. My back was cured overnight. Like, it was a miracle. And everyone was so confused. They'd been saying, we absolutely need to operate on her. And so having that experience, I guess, quite young, and my mum was a little bit woo-woo and into all these different things. And so I think I have had had personal experience and also kind of grown up with a mum who looked at life that way. So I had this understanding that there were many different ways Mm -hmm. to address problems, whether that is through holistic modalities that I've sort of explored, whether that's through people who have healing hands or, in my opinion, there are people who are slightly more connected to, you know, spirits or whatever. I wholeheartedly believe all of them. Um, Exactly. And so I think there's a million and one different avenues you can explore, whether it's psychedelics, whether Mm -hmm. it's um, therapy, whether it's... um, medication, whatever it is, I think there's so many different modalities you can explore. And that is one of the most comforting and beautiful things is that you are never, ever going to be at this dead end that you might feel like you're at, you know, say you've tried a million and one things and they haven't worked. There will be one more that will just keep on exploring all the different um, things that are on offer to you. That's very good for the platform to hear that. So we're going to keep talking about different approaches to well-being. Yeah, um, that's great. And i i have to I have to bring us back to the retreat now because otherwise people are going to get cross that I'm not answering questions. So on the retreat at the launch, you know, you shared some images and experiences of something in your eye was it yeah. or something. Mm-hmm and spicy oil up the bum. So can I just pass this to you to go into a little bit more detail because I know we were so rushed last time we spoke about it. Totally. So as I mentioned um, earlier on, I've had a load of gut issues. It kind of half stemmed um, from parasites that I got when I went travelling when I was younger and partly also stemmed from IBS's mind-body connection once again. And so when I went to this um, training in India, it was meant to be a training, but basically my gut really acted up. And I had the opposite, let's just say, of what most people suffer from. I didn't have Delhi Belly. I had quite the other way, like nothing horrible either way. (laughs) And they, I honestly became a bit like a scientific experiment for them. They were fascinated. They were kind of loving it because they were giving all, like pulling out all their best tricks, like spicy heated oil up the bum, like, which is basically meant to release this armor, these toxins, which are stored within you. Um, It's really brilliant if you've got a vata imbalance, which is what I had. Um, however, nothing was working for me, which has made me really understand the power of our mind because even they were like, okay, we have tried absolutely everything. everything. What is it you need to let go of? Like, it's this is Mentally, mental. Yeah. This is, and, it's, and it was sort of a journey all throughout my sort of travels being like, what is it? Because it's what, never that clear or simple um, what you're holding on to. But it all... It, it all... Um, 
is interconnected because again, what's really funny is part of what I learned during my teacher training is all about these chakras. Okay. These energy centers within our body, they're like wheels of consciousness. Um, and they all have different sort of purposes. Mm-hmm. And my, so my tummy is what's always caused me a lot of grief. And whenever I've gone to see sort of a spiritual healer who can read energy, they're like, your solar plexus chakra, your navel is so like it's fighting with me whenever they're sort of like putting their hands it over it kind of thing and so it makes sense because that's in my tummy that's where I have the pain that's where I you know hold my tension and it's it's also mind body spirit it's so there's subtle energetic dimensions there's physical um, symptoms there's so much going on that we don't we, even yeah. uh, until someone brings exactly. it out of you through spicy oil. I know, exactly. Oh, we can now get yeah, that imagery out of our heads. <laughs> I know. Gosh, and what's, uh, you've slightly mentioned what's next, but do you think your journey will bring to the, like, your future, but also do you think it will always be surrounded within holistic healing and wellness? It's so funny because everything just keeps unraveling so naturally. It is hard to see which direction it will take me in next. But I think what I'm really aware of is that I want to help people move through a lot of what I've been through. So the more I continue to learn and grow and develop within the space personally will definitely shape what I end up delivering for other people but I definitely want to continue down the route of um, you know personal experiences delivering an actual um, embodied experience to people so that they can really integrate that practice as much as I love sharing knowledge um, and learning and discussing these things I think until you actually experience it physically energetically it's um, super difficult. So I want to do lots of retreats and yeah. workshops and one-to-one sessions. Um, I think that would be a great place for anyone who is listening and who is curious about this whole approach to well-being to actually just get in touch and see if there's a class yeah. or something to attend. Thank you so much. I oh, honestly, this has just been such a great follow-up to already an amazing talk. And... Really looking forward to everyone hearing the answers to the questions as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure.